let me say for the first time, Lord willing, of many times, open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, and we'll be looking at verse 18 this morning. Matthew 16, 18, it's, it's, it's just one verse, but don't get it twisted. I'm still going to preach for 55 minutes on one verse. So just brace yourselves. <laughs> well, saints, you have heard many voices this past week. You have read undoubtedly many tweets. You have seen many posts. You have a lot of people speaking into your ears. Now, hear the word of the Lord. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Let's ask for the Lord's help this morning. Let's pray together. Father, indeed, we need your help. Distraction upon distraction, even when the the depths of our own hearts, depths of our own minds. We need you, O oh Lord, to be the loudest voice in this room. We need you to drown out every other voice so that we hear you and hear you alone speak for your people are listening. Pray it in Christ's name. Amen. I consider myself to be a good cook. I like to throw down a little bit in the kitchen every now and again. And much of what I have learned, I got from my mama. She would allow me to stand in the kitchen and watch her and do what she does best. Oftentimes on my favorite holiday, which is it's not Christmas, y'all forgive me, it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, and sometimes my mom will let me help. I will walk into the room. I'll be the taste tester. But most of the time, my job was to simply set the table for the guests, right? Stephen, go put a plate there, put a knife there. See, I wasn't the one that was preheating the oven. I wasn't the one that was letting things simmer. I wasn't the one chopping the vegetables and watching the kitchen so nothing gets burned. I wasn't that one. I was the one who simply set the table. And do y'all know what I had the audacity to do when the guests would arrive? I would say to them, I helped make the dinner. When all I did was set the table. Y'all, that's, that's church planting. These banners that you see hung up, the carpet that's installed, the 
children's ministry program, y'all. We're, we're simply setting the table. Christ has gone before us. He is the one that has been letting things simmer in the city of South Bend long before we got here. He is the one that has preheated everything. He has gone before us, and when we dine on what he has done, we dare not stand back and say, look at what we have done. We say, behold Jesus Christ in all of his glory and all of his splendor. He has done this. He says as much in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He says there, I will build my church. These five words shake the very foundation upon which we stand and which we sit. Christ says, I will build my church. And you've got to catch that first word, that one-letter word that Christ starts this phrase with, I will build my church. It's simply I. Who is doing this? It is Christ himself. There is no church without Jesus Christ. We are not smart enough, nor powerful enough, nor creative enough, or outgoing enough, or attractive enough to build this church. Christ does it all by himself. I will build my church. Y'all, the, the power is found in the eye. That is where the, the power of the church flows from. So when you read Matthew 16 and verse 18, and you, you see that word I, and it ends with, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The reason why the gates of Hades will not overpower the church is because of the I. It's because of Jesus Christ. The reason why Satan hasn't scattered his people is because of the eye. The reason why you and I can fight through temptation and be a part of God's holy people is because of the eye. The power, folks, is in the eye. It is in Jesus Christ. Listen, y'all, Satan, Satan doesn't tremble at a nice drum riff. And it was nice. It was nice. It was, brother was killing it. Uh, Satan doesn't tremble at spot-on harmonies. Satan doesn't tremble at a well-ordered service. Satan doesn't tremble at a well-ran children's ministry. But he does tremble at the name of Jesus Christ. And that is who we present to you is Jesus Christ and him alone. That is where all the power for the church comes from. When the gates of heaven are opened up and the power flows, it is found in Jesus Christ and him alone. The eye. You know the eye in this text. 
It, it is the same eye who, who halted the decomposition of Lazarus and called him from the grave. It is the same eye who changes weather patterns just by speaking to them. It is the same eye who is holding the world in its exact place in space just by the word of his power. It is the same eye who leaned into the full wrath of God on our behalf. It is the same eye who got up from the grave three days later and folded his burial clothes as if raising from the dead is just as easy as laundry day. It's that eye. It's that Christ who is building the church. And, and when you have that eye going before the promise, everything in his will is possible. The eye gives a promise. And the promise is simply, it's will. I will build my church. There is a promise wrapped up in there. You have to understand that to, to make a promise successful, you need two things. You need total control of all circumstances and situations. You have to be the one to control everything to make your promise reliable. You need total control and you need total knowledge. I'll give you an example. If I were to say to you, you know what, I'm going to come and I'm going to pick you up in my car and I'm going to take you to the store. Let's say, for instance, that my car breaks down. I didn't have total control over that situation, and so now I fail in my promise. Or if I say, hey, I'm coming to pick you up, take you to the store, and a severe weather system comes in, and I can't even get out of my driveway, I didn't have total knowledge of what was to come, and so therefore I have failed in my promise. Beloved. That never happens with Jesus Christ. He has total control. When Christ makes a promise, it is yes and amen. Why? Because he has total control. Not only does he have total control, but he has total knowledge. The reason why Christ knows what is to come is because he ordains what is to come. He says to what is to come, you can go now. That is the power of Jesus Christ. You can take his promise to the bank every single time. And he will never fail. All his promises are yes and amen. Why? Because of the eye. He controls everything. This is the promise that Christ gives the church, that he will build his church. He has so much control and so much knowledge that Jesus Christ can build a church even in the middle of a pandemic. 
I think Christ sort of specializes in building his church out of crazy situations so that he gets all the glory and all the glory alone. When, when Paul writes to the, to the Romans in the book of Romans and Christ is building his church there, there was a ruler in Rome and his name was Nero. And Nero would literally burn Christians in order to light up his parties. And guess what? Christ built his church there. The, the gospel snuck into Nero's party and God built his church. There were slaves in this very country who were whipped by their master and then went from that whipping back to their barracks and sang praises to the Lord. Why? Because Christ's promise snuck into the slave barracks and he built his church therein. The, the gospel snuck into the German concentration camps and, and folks were getting saved even in those concentration camps. Why? Because Christ made a promise to build his church and even a concentration camp can't stop Jesus from doing what he promised he was going to do. We, we have brothers and sisters even now who, who are worshiping under the fear of death, living in closed countries, but they're there's no such thing as a closed country when we're talking about Jesus Christ. He can get his gospel in anywhere. He can get it in there, and he's getting it in right here in the city of South Bend, all to his glory. He will build his church. It's a promise. Not only is it a promise, but it gives us a plan for what he's going to do with his church. And it's right there in the text. It says, I, I'm going to build. I'm going to build my church. Christ uses this glorious construction language here that he is going to build something that stands up and withstands everything. He uses the same word, this build word, over in the book of Luke where we have that, that popular discipleship passage where Christ tells his disciples to count the cost. Remember that? You, you count the cost. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, count the cost. And he gives this illustration of a man who builds a tower. And he said, nobody who goes to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. And y'all, if he, if he told that to his disciples, surely Christ will do the same. Christ has counted the cost to build his people. And guess what? He has enough to complete us. He's not lacking. There is a surplus. Christ has sat down and counted the cost, and he has counted the cost of our forgetfulness of his promises, and yet he builds us anyway. He has counted the cost of us constantly turning away from him, and guess what? He builds us anyway. 
He counted the cost of us being broken people in need of a Savior, and yet he builds us anyway. Sat down and calculated how much it was going to cost him to build you and I. And guess what? He has enough. Christ, when he completes us on that day of glory, He's not going to be lacking anything. His blood has paid it all to build what he desires us to be. Y'all, this is, this is why Redemption City Church is, is constantly being wrapped in that yellow construction tape. Not the building, but the people that are in the building. Why? Because Christ isn't done with us yet. He hasn't completed his work. He is building us even right now. As you listen to this sermon, he is building you. Even as you sung those songs, he is building you. Even as you give back to him, he is building you. He's not done with us yet. But he's not going to run out of materials. Nor is he going to run out of money to do what he set out. He will build you and I. And he's not done because he wants to make it very clear who it is that is doing the building. He wants to make that crystal clear. And so he goes on in Matthew 16, 18, and just these two letters, possessive, I will build my church. This is Christ's church. This is Christ's church. This is Christ's church. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is Christ's church. Yeah, some of y'all aren't used to that. I know we ain't, we ain't going to do it every week. But Chris, it's launch Sunday, brother. We got to do it this week. This is Christ's church. This is not Redemption City's church. This is not Pastor Stephen's church. This is not the elders' church. This is not the people's church. This is Christ's church, and he is jealous for you and I. And he shares his glory with no one else but himself. This is his church. Every time we gather, that should resound in our minds. This is not ours. This is Christ. And if it is Christ's church, it should be no mistake about whose church this is. You shouldn't leave after we gather and be like, man, I wonder whose church that is. Should be clear. Every time we gather, we should know that this is Christ's church. Why? Because we, we, we want to look like him and, and smell like him and, and speak like him. The goal every time we gather to worship is not how great the singing is. The goal every time we gather is not how great the preaching is. The goal every time we gather is how great Christ is. We can miss some notes in our singing, but we bet not miss the person of our song. We can stutter when we preach, but I bet not skip over the name of Jesus Christ. This is his Church, y'all, we, we should never graduate 
We should never graduate from those, you know, those old school, Sunday school kids' answers to every single question, right? Every time you ask a kid a question that in church, and the answer is always Jesus, you say, hey, what's, what's furry and have two legs? They're like, Jesus? Like, what? How does that work? I don't know. Right? So, so when you come here and you, and you leave, we're not getting creative. Oh, what was the sermon about? It was about Jesus. What was the singing about? It was about Jesus. What was the fellowship about? It was about Jesus. What is children's ministry about? It's about Jesus. Why do we give Jesus? Why do we fellowship? It's Jesus. It's all about him. We, we have nothing else to offer the city of South Bend. We have nothing else but Jesus. Church planting is this strange thing where you meet all kinds of people. You run into all kinds of people, and everybody wants, wants to know, hey, what is, what is Redemption City Church about? What, what are you guys going to do, right? So Mandy and I sat down with a couple uh, many months ago, and they asked, they said, what are you, you going to do that's unique to Redemption City Church? Sell us on redemption. What are you, what are you going to do that's creative? And I said, well, hopefully nothing. Hopefully we're going to present the same old Jesus who is fresh every time we preach him. Hopefully we're going to present the same old Christ who transforms life and raises people from the grave. Listen, folks, the Lord has given us a blueprint by which we plant churches. And it is right here in this book. We have nothing else to offer. If Stephen Love was planning this church and I was responsible for building it, oh, I would sell you on what Redemption Church Church can do. Oh, come on. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have the greatest band. We have the greatest children's ministry. Children are going to slide in, bubbles everywhere. It's going to be the best thing ever. If this church was up to me, I would sell you on it. Carpet's going to be fresh, nice banners. But it's not my church. When you come here, you're going to get the same old Jesus Christ who's always fresh. This is what we offer. Why? Because it's his church. You don't have the authority nor the power to change it. And I don't have the authority or the power to change you, but Jesus Christ does. He's going to build his church. And then he ends in Matthew 16, 18, simply tells us what's the purpose. I will build my church. The purpose of the church is to be the church. Christ hasn't promised to build programs. Christ hasn't promised to build structures. Christ hasn't promised to build charity organizations as great as they are. He has promised to build his people. This is what we stand. And if Christ has promised this, if all the power of heaven is invested in Christ building his church, shouldn't we be about that business? Everything that we do, every time we gather, every time we leave and scatter and go into the community, everything that we do is, is resounding. Christ is going to build his people. Not a building. You and I. It's going to work on us. Conform us. Make us look more and more like 
him every time we see his glory. That is our task, to present Jesus Christ. If that wasn't, I mean, good enough, it gets gooder. Because Christ gives promises on top of promises. Like he could have ended it right there with, I will build my church, and that would have been enough. That's enough, Christ. You're going to build your church, yes, and amen, but he's not done yet. And the reason why Christ isn't done yet is because I still have 45 minutes left in the sermon. <laughs> Y'all ain't going nowhere. Lock the doors in the back. Lock them doors. They ain't going nowhere. Finish this. Hope the, hope the child in the back is okay with that. Did you catch Did you catch the abundance of promise on top of promise in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18? Did you hear how that verse ended? I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will build my church, and there is nothing that Satan and all of his minions can do about it. Christ is going to build his people and it will happen come what may. Even if it means all the power of hell coming against the church, Christ will be victorious. He could have left the promise. I want to build my church. Yeah, Christ, amen. Do that. But, but he adds a little bit of comfort to the promise, does he not? to build my church. And we're sitting back like, yeah, okay, awesome. Build your church, Christ. That's great. But then he sort of kneels down and he gives us a comfort. I'm going to build my church and hell can't do anything about it. Reminds me, taking my second born, he loves to golf. I love to golf. Right? I was going to take him golfing one day. I said, Elias, I'm going to take you golfing. But, but something came up at work. So I said, Elias, man, daddy can't take you golfing today, man. Work, work came up. I'll take you next time. And so sure enough, a week goes past. And I come, I say, Elias, man, I, I promise I'm going to take you golfing today. And Elias is sort of looking at me. And I sort of knew what he was thinking. Like, dad, you, you promised, but there was a hurdle last time. There was a hindrance last time. So I said, Elias, I'm taking you golfing, and guess what? Work is not going to interfere. Y'all, this this is what Christ has given to you and I. He he is giving us a promise, and he, he sort of sees the look on our faces. He sees what we're thinking. Lord, you, you, you promise you're going to do this, but Lord, you don't know how the adversary has been destroying my family. Lord, you, you promised you're going to build your church, but you don't know what, the, what Satan has been doing in my life these past few months. Lord, you, you promised you're going to build me up, but you don't know what I have been struggling with and dealing with. And Christ adds comfort to his promise. He comes down, kneels down to us and says, I'm going to build you up. And guess what? Satan can't interfere. All Gates of hell may come against, but we will be victorious. Christ gives us both a defensive 
and an offensive structure when he says that the gates of hell will not overcome us. Defensive in that, Satan is going to try. He is going to attempt to tear down what Christ has built up, but Christ says he will not be successful. We will be victorious. Why? Because Christ is in front of us and he is protecting us. Defensive. But it's also offensive. We marched. The gates of hell are are marching against the church and they've made their line in the sand and and Christ tells us we're going to push that line back. Every time we gather, every time we scatter, we're going to push back the darkness. Satan is going to march and every time he takes one step forward, the church and all the authority of Jesus Christ is going to push his kingdom back two steps. Why? Because of the eye. All the power is there. Why? Because of the community that Christ is building. The great shepherd of his church saying to you and I, we're not alone. Christ has promised it. He will.